0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Mission Daily, your number one source for accelerated learning. I'm Chad Grills, CEO of the Mission.
1: And I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer of the Mission. And I got the little got the giggles because Chad <laughs> made a joke before we started recording. Sorry. Good evening. Good evening,
0: sir. So today's episode is all about one of the things that direct experience provides you more of creativity. And before we do that, before we jump into three ways to supercharge your creativity, we need a quick shout out to our sponsor, Audible. They're the exclusive sponsor of The Mission Daily. You can get a free audiobook when you go to audible.com slash the mission or text the mission to 500-500. That's right.
1: In every episode of The Mission Daily, we dive into an important topic to spark new questions, thoughts, and ideas. And let's get right into it. Chad, today we're talking about creativity. So, here's a little did you know? Merriam Webster says that creativity is the ability to create or the quality of being creative.
0: What a just horrible, horrible yeah. definition. What does that even mean? So, we
1: thought this was pretty funny because when you look at creativity, you could not answer your high school teacher with what the definition, what, is, what, what, what Mer- the word Mer- has in the definition, right? Yeah, Merriam Mer-
0: Webster, yeah, it wouldn't be a suitable answer for a test or anything.
1: Yeah. So our definition of creativity is to use the imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of an artistic work. And when we're looking at creativity from the lens of accelerated learning, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions or thoughts around creativity that are not commonplace. And that's what we're going to dive into today. So Chad, why is this so important that we're talking about it?
0: I think creativity is, or you know, imagination or whatever you want to call it, listeners know What we're talking about. The novel idea or insight that solves an idea or gives you a new way of looking at something that is more valuable to you and potentially the people that you love and care about. And that's why it's really exciting. It's the one thing that machines can't do. And there are plenty of people who are unsubscribing and not listening to this right now because they think that AI is coming and is going to be way more creative than (laughs) humans will be. And I think that a lot of people would be shocked at. How far away uh, AI is to doing really? I mean, that, just a small fraction of what we do now. But, anyways, creativity is the one thing that we do that machines don't do. Have you
1: seen the the thing where they have a piece of AI try to f- try to figure out like uh, it's a photo of an elephant, no. and it's like sixty percent of the time the bot gets it right. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool, except for the fact that a four-year-old can get an a ele- picture of an elephant right like 99% of the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's a, a bunch of – in a future episode, we're going to get into the work of uh, Herbert Dreyfus, which is a uh, researcher who wrote a really, really cool book called uh, What Computers Can't Do. And it was a uh, – yeah, it's just – it's a fascinating rabbit hole. He wrote a series of books, and he's probably probably the most hated philosopher by – of course, AI researchers, but a little little tangent. So back to the issue at hand, three ways to supercharge your creativity. Let's get into it. Yeah, no, I wanted to say, before
1: we kind of like get into the supercharging of it, why do you think that creativity gets kind of denigrated or besmirched or kind of people look at it with sometimes the negative light? Like, for example, if you were to go up to someone and say, oh, I'm a creative, they would probably be like, yeah, but but what's your but what's your job? Maybe
0: rightly so if you're walking up to <laughs> if you're walking up to random
1: people. I mean I as no, as sorry. one does.
0: No, I'm just playing. Um I think it's it's so first of all, it's cheap and it's easy to say it and publish words about it and papers and write about it. And yeah, it's just never been easier in the history of the world to tell people that you're a creative or advertise yourself that way. And meanwhile, the whole proof of concept, i.e are you solving things that other people deem valuable is left out of the creative equation, I think a lot of the times. And another really important issue to think about here with creativity and imagination is that there are plenty of people who think that this is something that is uh, fixed or inborn, or it's either in your DNA or it's not. And a lot of people think that the issue has been settled in science and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, There are plenty of researchers that say creativity can't be measured. There are plenty that say it's not really important and that machines are just going to run wild and do it much, much better than us. And meanwhile, there are other researchers that say it's uh, perhaps divine. It's something that we can't even explain and that we'll never be able to explain. But that's wild, right? Yeah. You think about
1: where we are in the world, we know, we don't know what's at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Uh, We don't know a lot of what's out in space, but we don't know what being creative is. We can't even define
0: it in the dictionary. Absolutely. Like we've got the most complex object in the entire universe right between our eyes. And there are plenty of people who say, don't look there, don't think there. So um, let's supercharge this thing. Let's supercharge it. The number one way to supercharge your creativity is to first believe that it can be coaxed out, improved and uh, generally increased. So let's keep it really simple write down ideas. And that idea has been popularized lately online by James Altucher. Um, shout out to James, great writer. Writer for the mission. Writer for the mission. Yeah, love love his stuff. And he's recently uh, repopularized that idea. It I think 1950s was when that idea first caught on by a guy named Earl Nightingale, who propagated it across the airwaves. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Post World War II, America was one of the most optimistic uh, places in the world. Like in the late 50s, you had pictures of moon bases, and you had people who thought that it was only a matter of years before they had a robot inside their house that was helping them with like housework and chores and things like that. These pictures are, you can just Google them, they're all over the internet. And that's the type of world that they were expecting. And maybe they didn't do a good, good enough job building it, maybe they did. But that was also at the same time where the media, i.e. Earl Nightingale and the foundations of the self-help movement were really advocating that people write down 10 ideas a day, write down 10 ideas a day. At the end of a year, you have thousands and thousands of ideas. And do you really think that if you did that, you would be less proficient at generating ideas at the end of that time? Or do you think you might be better?
1: But I think this goes back to, and shout out to Earl the Pearl Nightingale. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, for that idea. But this goes back to the idea that if ideas are not a currency that is valuable, then you writing them down doesn't really matter. Yeah. But if they are something that's really valuable and it's something that can create massive wealth or it can create massive happiness, then it's really freaking valuable that you write those down. And I think that in kind of current society, you know, I, the kind of like ideas are worthless, it's just execution, which is not true.
0: It's typically an idea propagated by somebody that doesn't have imagination, and there, people who are listening to this are you know might be thinking of specific people who have told them this time and time again that ideas are worthless. And no, the the real truth is that different ideas have different value, and of course they become more valuable if you choose to execute well on them. Nobody's saying that that's not the case, but yeah, the idea that ideas are worthless is uh, pretty weak
1: to Fun- say the least. Final piece on this, I think that. One of the really fascinating ways of kind of like this idea in popular culture is Saturday Night Live, where every single, I think it's Tuesday night, is like their late night. Sure. God forbid creatives up late. (laughs) Could you
0: imagine? Yeah, I know. I mean, I I can't imagine that anybody would be recording a podcast at uh, midnight and after 14 hours of working. But (laughs) But in theory. (laughs) But in theory. Yeah. Somebody's out there that's doing that.
1: But one of the ideas is that, you know, they had these like super brutal writer room situations where everyone's throwing out ideas and you have to work until it gets to the point of a script or whatever it is. I'm screwing that up. But the idea is that every single week they know it's coming, they have to do a bunch of it. And that's part of the thing, right? Every day you have to write 10 ideas. You're not writing nine. You're not writing 20. It's like you have to write that many because at the end, the end result of it is that you get to look back through that and see how you grow. And that's a tenet of accelerated learning, which is what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Putting some stakes and incentives around the time in which you need to generate the ideas. And like with a performance coming up or the implementation of the ideas coming up, that's a pretty interesting way to do it. Pretty exciting way to do it. Okay. What's number two? Number two, push past what society says about it. So we are obviously commenting on it, but don't listen to what anybody says. Think about what you think about your ideas. Be the final arbiter. So come up with a scale for your ideas. Judge them on a scale of one to 10, uh, 10 being the most valuable or one to 100, whatever you want to do. And look for what the best minds in the field say about how to measure creativity and how to become more creative. There are some researchers that say it can be done. There are others that say the only way to measure creativity is by asking questions like, uh, how would the world be different if people had tails? Not even making that up. That's a serious question that one researcher believes is a is a great way to decipher and determine uh, how creative people are. That's so lame. How so, many <laughs> marbles can you fit in a mason jar? Yep.
1: Or like how many, what was it like, yeah, how many marbles could you fit in like a Volkswagen or something like that? Definitely. And or like, wait, I can't say Volkswagen, they're not a sponsor. Just yeah,
0: <laughs> not yet. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, those questions, it's so funny because like that is – not it has nothing to do with creativity or imagination it has everything to do with triviality but that's again and then they solve that with then they solve it with science yeah
1: right it's like well if i look at this scientifically which is fine again shout out to science but the idea it's like that's not even the extra you're not even solving for the right thing nor should you be solving
0: for anything (laughs) yes and i mean the the real idea is uh you have to decide if these ideas are helping you in the way that you want in your own life. You don't have to look outside for support of thousands of people uh, for these ideas. Just look for that one person, i.e. you. That's, that's the person that matters. And I wanna read this awesome quote here by uh, Terrence McKenna, who's a bit of a philosopher and prophet, uh, maybe a genius, maybe maybe crazy, you'd be the judge. But this is uh, a great way to jump past wherever you're at right now with your own creativity and look at it in an entirely new light. So bear with me here. It's about to get deep. Terrence says, obviously when you evolve inside an animal body, localized in space and time, you get a hellacious set of reflexes and muscles designed to deal with immediate threats in the environment. But at the core of the oyster is this portal into universalism, which we have denigrated and we call the imagination. The imagination is, uh, there's, uh, a third eye. This third eye exists, but it doesn't look out at this world. You've got two perfectly good eyes for doing that. The third eye looks out at the holographic matrix of informational totality. And then the problem for that is uh, perception and filtering.
1: You know, if you, uh, (laughs) that first of all, that's unreal. If you ever want to give up this podcasting thing, I think you have a career in radio.
0: (laughs) Hopefully. Um, What's he talking about? That's a great question. But so, you know, the third eye, of course, he's referencing the pineal gland. And what's interesting here is, you know, he's talking about creativity in terms of calling it imagination. But I think that it's been denigrated for so many years by so many different people, that the idea that there is a sea of ideas or non local information that you can access, or you might have uh, the ability to view, it's uh, not a popular idea. But maybe one worth exploring a little bit deeper, and McKenna's a rabbit hole for anybody that has not been uh, down that rabbit hole yet.
1: I might be journeying myself <laughs> very soon. Number it's, three,
0: uh, pretty pretty awesome. He's uh just he was right down the road, really uh, out in your neck of the woods, Ooh, in uh, in the East Bay, Berkeley Hills. Yeah, really nice,
1: Berkeley Hills. Um, shout out to Oakland. Uh, okay, so number three, way to supercharge.
0: Yes, and this is a it's a great test and heuristic. So you can keep this in mind, modify it, change it around or discard it. But this is a really, really good way to measure if your ideas are valuable or not. And that is how are they received by others? And there's a cartoon that illustrates this by a guy named, uh, a cartoonist named Hugh McLeod. Um, and I'll, that's McLeod if he's Scottish. Oh, jeez, Sorry, Hugh. Sorry about that. Butchered it. And The caption for the cartoon, he has two people talking. And underneath, he says, good ideas alter the power balance in relationships. That is why good ideas are almost always initially resisted. I added the almost always, sorry. Good ideas come with a heavy burden, which is why so few people have them. So few people can handle it. That's pretty good. Pretty deep. So he's basically saying that good ideas, i.e. creative ideas, are the ones that are going to be initially resisted there's a bunch of famous minds that say uh, good ideas typically meet with violent resistance from mediocre minds. I think that's like mistakenly tri- attributed to Einstein. But the point being that ideas that come from a person that is more creative or more imaginative are pretty intimidating because if a person really is more imaginative, what if they're 10 times more you know, able to solve problems, a hundred times more? That's a, a discussion that I don't think a lot of people are willing to explore
1: that. Yeah. Do you think that part of the reason people don't want to explore that is because it's not a rating? Like there's IQ and IQ tests, how smart you are. And that's pretty easy to understand. Do you think that there's like, well, if we can't measure this, then
0: on the surface, I think that people are fearful that they're going to come up short. We're always, that's like the go-to fear of humans. Like we're not enough. We can't do it. uh, Everything like that. But I think the real thing, like the real enchilada that is, uh, perhaps more terrifying is that we don't want to explore our inner space and people don't want to explore the idea that they might be far, far more creative than they ever suspected. I think that is actually way more scary to people than the alternative of falling way short.
1: Do you know how in the matrix there's like the red pill and the blue pill? Oh yeah. I could offer you the red enchilada or the green <laughs> enchilada. <laughs> Okay that that's means colored
0: that's a uh, that
1: means the episode's got to be coming to an end and work with that metaphor any, any rapid fire ideas before we get out of here
0: I think that practicing understanding when you're self censoring or when you're not or the degree to which you are is pretty powerful the whole idea of writing down 10 ideas a day or just one idea a day so so underlooked and with that idea I think that when we grow up or go to K through 12 we, are told that there's like a scarcity of paper, a scarcity of pens, you know, you're supposed to do this during a certain time, you're supposed to do that during a certain time. So just the, the practice of writing things out on paper, on sketch pads, and then trashing them when you're done and going through page after page after page and realizing that there's no, basically don't let anything get in the way or slow you down from filling up entire notebooks with horrible ideas. So I basically think that getting started by any means necessary here is uh, that's where it's at.
1: I love that idea. And you should see the mission offices are covered, <laughs> like covered in, if there's white space, we are filling it and then some, um, and, and nothing ever gets erased. it just gets cataloged into another, it's like the, uh, at the end of Indiana Jones with like all of that's <laughs> going to be at the end of mission headquarters is going to be just,
0: we are getting better at filing and filtering. And I think, yeah, filtering is the, the name of the game with so many things, uh, developing, shows plots and stories things like that but
1: speaking of filtering if you would like to reach out to us about filtering some of these episodes with your thoughts and ideas give us a uh, give us a tweet at the mission hq on twitter and uh tap subscribe leave a review Ooh, and that's a great point yeah definitely and we'll see you next time thanks so much everybody later